You're listening to a message from Grace Church of North Brunswick, where people are empowered, impacted, and enriched through the good news of the gospel. To learn more about Grace Church, visit our website at gracechurchnv.com. And now we hope that you enjoy this message. I declare next Sunday, Holy Ghost Sunday. Holy Spirit, whatever you want to, Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, same thing. I declare it Easter, Easter Sunday. No, I'm just making stuff up, but the point being, how many of you have the Holy Spirit inside of you? So let me see. How many of you have a really close friend that you're with all the time? You're like BFF. They're with you like all the time. Amen. It better be your wife. Amen? Better be your husband. Do you know the Holy Spirit's with you more than that person? Do you know wherever you go, the Holy Spirit is, if the Holy Spirit lives in you? Do you know you can't go here or there or anywhere without the Holy Spirit? Amen? The Holy Spirit should be your closest friend. And last week, we talked about fellowship with the Holy Spirit, not with the microphone wire. Amen. And the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of that relationship is talked about in Galatians chapter 5. Verse 22, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the work which his presence within us accomplishes is love, joy, peace, patience, and patience is an even temper, forbearance, kindness, goodness, which I was talking about before, goodness is more than just an attribute of someone's good, it's an actual action of goodness, benevolence, faithfulness, gentleness, which is meekness and humility. Self-control, that's a big one, right? Self-restraint. Against such things there is no law. Listen, the Holy Spirit is in us to accomplish something. He didn't just come in us willy-nilly. But he came in to accomplish something. What does willy-nilly mean, anyway? Somebody named Willie was married to Nilly. I don't know. But he came in us to accomplish something, to bear fruit. Not fruits here. It's a singular word, fruit. And that fruit is really encompassed in one word. It's love. That's why he says that first. But the word fruit here means beneficial results, the good things that come from the Spirit's indwelling. As the Holy Spirit works in our lives, our character changes. He says love first for a reason. Because every other attribute described after that is part of love. Amen? Amen. You know, in 1 Corinthians 13, we know the chapter talks about love and all the things that are encompassed in love. And they are all listed here. That's why he says it first. Remember, love is God, and God is love. Amen. And lo- oh, I just broke 10,000. Thank you. I put it on one of the kids in the nursery before. Anyway. <laughs> Hallelujah. But um, love encompasses all these things. And guess there's one thing really cool about love. Never fails. Always, always, 
Always? When God says always, what does it mean? Now, when a person tells you always, I will love you always, I will treat you right always, you can count on that not happening. Can I get an amen? Yes, sir. Wives, how many times has your husband promised, I'll never do that again? And he's done it again. Come on, raise your hand. Wait, I'm talking to wives. (laughs) Oh, you're saying you did do it again. Jesus prayed that the Holy Spirit would guide us into all truth and that that truth would sanctify us, which I was talking about before, change our character. I like to call the word sanctify. How many of you here are saints? When the saints go marching in, you're going. You're not? How many of you put your faith in Jesus Christ? You're a saint. Now raise your hand now. How many of you are saints? Amen. Thank God. When I talk to people about my kids, I go, they're saints. Amen. Amen. Right? Don't we say that, honey? Amen. When you guys aren't around, what a saint Victoria is. <laughs> Lord Jesus. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so we're being sanctified. We're becoming more and more like Jesus every day. Because the Holy Spirit that lives in us leads us and guides us into all truth, and truth transforms us. If you've been a Christian and you're not getting better, something's wrong. I said, if you've been a Christian and you're getting crankier, something's wrong. If you're a Christian and you're getting more bitter, something's wrong. If you're a Christian and all you care about is Jesus coming back and everybody being thrown into a tribulation, something's really wrong. Oh, yeah, we're getting some laughter now. Listen, the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you will never tell you to do something, will never tell you to act without love. Because he is love. He will never tell you to do something that doesn't start with love. And love encompasses all of these things. First, joy. How many of you are joyous today? How many of you are joyous even though there's stuff going on in your life that doesn't immediately bring you joy? Amen. How many of you just have stuff in your life that's trying to steal your joy? Do you know that a lot of people come to church just to experience some joy during the week? I remember a time in my life where the only time I had joy was in church because when I wasn't in church, I had six kids and I was trying to feed them all, you know? It's like all these little birds when I came home. Like you gotta, you gotta work and you gotta, you know, give them little things and Make sure everybody's taken care of. Amen? Men, listen, men, in two weeks, it's Father's Day. Yeah. (laughs) Mother's Day, Mother's Day, they get roses, they get a breakfast. What are we getting? You ladies better be planning something. Nobody's come to me about what we're going to do for the men on Father's Day. But the mighty men of Grace Church made you breakfast. Everybody remember that? Lamont had his white gloves on, his, his, his fedora on. He was like, come on in, ladies. What would you like? We're looking for something, too. You'll wash his car. We can go through a car wash. 
There better be something in the works, ladies. I said, ladies, there better be something in the works here. It's a surprise, yeah. Erica's going to work on it. And she already knew. Okay, yeah. I don't want no rose. I don't want any flowers. Something that lasts. Anyway, I, don't know how, I just had to do that. This is the two easiest. Father's Day, we're working on a video. We are going to celebrate mighty men of God right here at Grace Church. Bring your father out. Bring a man out. All right? Because we ain't scared of women here. She looked at me, she went, ah, yes, you are. <laughs> In his presence is fullness of joy. You have fullness of joy inside of you. There's nowhere you have to go to get joy. It's in you. And it, is there anything left? Is there any, is it an almost joy or is it a total joy? It's a fullness of joy in his presence. How many of you are in the presence of God right now? How many of you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you? So how many of you have fullness of joy right with you, wherever you go? Amen? I mean, tonight when, when we watch LeBron James, if they lose, I'm still going to have fullness of joy. Yesterday after the men's breakfast, Jason Dratman, you know, I love this guy. He'll just pray for anything. He, he's come over here, Pastor. I really got to talk to you. You got to pray about something. I'm like, okay. And he goes, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, help LeBron James. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, okay, keep going. <laughs> he's like, oh my God. He's got it worse than I do. Why do I love LeBron James? Because he made it without a father. That's why I love him. That's why my heart is towards him, because he made it without a father. He made it in a single-parent home. So you're all rooting for him now, aren't you? No? Right, I tried. But in his presence is fullness of joy. And if we have joy, we can have peace, a peace which transcends all understanding, the kind of peace that it doesn't matter what's going on around you, but you have peace. You know, one great thing about being married to my wife is this. No matter how bad things got, no matter how many times I lost all the money, no matter how many mistakes I made, which were a lot, she kept the peace. She did. And, you know, there is one problem I do have, though. For those of you that have read my book, and you come up to me and say, you married up. Why, why would she stay with you? I'm like, that's what you got out of my book? That she's a saint? Really? You married up. Oh, my God. People from my work, you know, people that read it, they were like, I can't believe she stayed with you. I'm like, I don't want to talk to you, okay? But you know what? She did. She, she kept peace all that time, through all that turmoil. And let me tell you something, living with me was never peaceful. Amen, kids? 
Don't you raise that too high. <laughs> Your brother's smart. He's here every week. You're just visiting, so you... I'll talk about you when you're not here. We have been justified through faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you are at peace with God? Come on now. If you can't have peace with God, you can't have peace with people. You can't have peace with God, you can't have peace with people. And if you're not having peace with people, I question whether you have peace with God. Because the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you loves every single person that's put into your life. And that love should come from you as well. Amen? Listen, when it comes to talking about love and peace and gentleness, it's not my favorite subject. But it's God's word, it's God's truth, and it's something I need to learn more and more as a man. You know, because sometimes we overemphasize other things instead of this gentleness. It's, it's amazing, like, with my wife, if I could just learn to be more gentle, there'd be so much more peace. If I could just be more kind, there'd be so much more peace. And I'm learning, you know, I'm being sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Since we are justified, acquitted, declared righteousness... We have a right standing with God through faith. Let us grasp the fact that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, many times when we were going through turmoil, and how many of you know what going through turmoil is? <laughs> this is what my wife would say to me. She'd say, Isaiah 26, 3. He keeps him. She was saying you, but she said he keeps him. <laughs> In perfect peace, him whose mind is stayed on him. Isaiah 26, verse 3. Hallelujah. Keep him in perfect and constant peace. Why? Because he commits himself and he leans on God. Do you know that when you're all riled up, the Holy Spirit isn't? <laughs> There's times like, you know, I get, you ever get riled up? Like, it's like, I, I like to say it's like a dryer that's on pause. That's me. Like, everything's calm. And all of a sudden, boom, they push the button. It's How many of you are half Italian? You know what I'm talking about. Come on. Lord Jesus. <laughs> and, and it's just like, start to get, and if I would just listen to the Holy Spirit, you know what the Holy Spirit would say? Calm down. Just calm down. And as I've been preaching this series on the Holy Spirit, I've been much calmer. On Sunday, when things aren't working right, I remember what my son said to me, stop whining and worship. And when I remember that, I want to hit him, but I can't because <laughs> I'm calmer now. So, but he was right. You know, it's like, that's what the Holy Spirit would say to me, like, shut up and just enjoy my presence. Is there really no place you'd rather be? Yes. Is there really a fire burning in my soul? Yes. Is it an all-consuming fire, a flame of love? Yes. So why are you getting riled up? Because the words or the scriptures end up quick enough or the light's blinking or... All right, let me stay in the Holy Spirit. Then there's patience. And maybe you struggle with that. Whee! Only two of you, huh? How many of you struggle with patience? Whee! All right, now... <laughs> You were so impatient, you wouldn't raise your hand. 
Keep that hand. Good. Keep that hand up. You know, struggle patience is a hard one, isn't it? But you know that it was patience that got you to Jesus? How many of you did it take a really long time to lead to Jesus? <laughs> Pastor John was sharing with the men's group yesterday. We had such a great men's breakfast. And he was saying, you know, after they spoke to me for four hours, so people were sharing the gospel with them for four hours. Can you imagine? Have you ever shared the gospel with someone for four hours? No? What's the matter with your patience? No, but you have. Aren't there people that you've tried to share God with? And you just keep talking and they keep saying no, you keep talking and saying no, you're talking, 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 Not with my kids, talking, 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 talking. Did you ever do that? But who had patience for you? Do you remember someone saying they were praying for you to get saved? My brother prayed for me for years. And then after I got married and I was saved, she prayed for me to get sanctified. She still is. But I was a slow cooking thing, okay? Some of them, you know, just, she was like, they put her in the microwave, beep, boop, she's done, Christian, smiley, happy, beep, ah! <laughs> Me, I'm on the pan, they're flipping it, they're like pouring olive oil on it. You know what I mean? Then they put me in the oven, didn't work out of the oven, put them on the grill. Get a cauldron, throw them in there. Get a torch. How many of you did they take a torch to? Come on now. But some people just got saved overnight. How many of you were that? Like just overnight, everything changed. Yeah, I know, two people in my life, right here. Overnight, just boom. Totally changed. Stop cursing, right? You got saved, you were worship leader the next day. I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> but patience is what leads people to salvation. Are you so trifle with and presume upon and despise and underestimate the wealth of God's kindness and forbearance and long-suffering patience? How many of you are suffering over a situation? You know what patience is? Suffering longer. Are you unmindful or actually ignorant of the fact that God's kindness is intended to lead you to change your mind, to repent? It's patience, working with goodness, that leads people to change. You can't modify people's behavior, right, Pastor John? You preached that yesterday. You taught us that yesterday. Trying to modify behavior does not work. We need to be changed from the inside out by the power of the Holy Spirit, reminding us of who we are in Christ, how good God is, reminding us of the fact that he loves us and he forgives us and he forgives us and he forgives us and he forgives the sound team for not getting the microphone right. Amen. Next is kindness. How many of you think you're very kind? Man, your hand went up quick, Kenny. Jeez, I didn't even finish it. <laughs> he is kind. You are kind. And what is kindness? It's something that is by the Holy Spirit within us. 
And kindness goes right along with goodness. Kindness and goodness go together. See, goodness is uprightness of heart and life. But it's kindness that is goodness for the benefit of others. Kindness and goodness go together. They are not attributes of somebody's character. They are more of what someone does. Kindness is, I can only give you this because it's my wife and I live with her and, you know, I see her kindness and goodness. See, I don't know who it was, but yesterday or Friday, she found out two situations. She brought meals to two different ladies on Friday. She made a meal for one lady in the morning and another meal for the other lady in the afternoon. And I got nothing. <laughs> but... So I cooked, because the Lord said to me, there's Holy Spirit action right now. Let her do what she's doing. Then I found out she bought a chicken from Costco. I was like, really? Is that so hard? You go to Costco, $4.99, chicken! You know what's being set up here? It's good, though. That's because you made your husband that chicken, too, and you told him it wasn't from Costco. I know. When I used to come home, there was like a perfectly chicken there on a plate, like a perfect looking chicken. I was like, she didn't make that chicken. That was $4.99 from Costco. I don't want it. Get some chicken out of that refrigerator and cook it. I don't care if it doesn't taste as good as the Costco chicken. But there's something about when you, you do it. Amen? And I, she didn't just do that. She cooked and it was really nice. I was like, wow, that's kindness. That's goodness. Or some of you here, when I watch you how, you, how you help others, you give people a ride or take a baby, hold somebody's baby or whatever it might be, that's, that's goodness. Goodness is action. It's benevolence. It's generosity. That's real kindness. That's goodness. When we say God is good, we're just not saying, hey, yeah, God's really good. We're saying God is good to us. His actions are good. When you say God is good all the time, are you just, just shouting something out? Or do you really believe that he's good all the time? Do you really believe he takes care of all your needs? Goodness and kindness together is when you desire to be a blessing. You desire, listen, I watch our prayer team here every week. And I watch how they desire to be a blessing to people. When other people might be tired, when other people might want to go home, they are here crying with, praying with, encouraging the last person standing here. Amen? And that worship team is playing till their fingers are raw, until they can't sing anymore with their voices. It's a desire to do for others, that's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is here for a reason, and it's a desire to do good for others. Next is faithfulness. Everybody say faithfulness. As I try to fix this microphone wire, I have to take one button off. Nobody look. Everybody turn around. No one's looking, right? I'll tell you a little funny story early on in the church history here. There was about 100 of us here, and uh, I'm preaching, and like halfway through the service, 
there was a man in, in the sanctuary holding up a sign, like on a piece of paper. I'm like, what is it? What does it say? So I immediately thought something was wrong, so I turned around, and I checked every... I was like, is everything okay? It wasn't that. He was just sharing a scripture with me. But, you know, when you see a sign go up, you're like, okay, it's something somebody wants to tell me, but they don't want anybody else to know. So don't be putting any signs up in here. Amen? <laughs> Faithfulness. I love faithfulness. Proverbs 28.20. Does anybody know what that scripture says? Stop peeking. Okay. A faithful man will abound with blessings. How many of you want to abound with blessings? That word faithful in the Hebrew is the word emunah. It's where we get the word amen from. So the amen person will abound with blessings. Amen to what? Amen to what the Holy Spirit says. Amen to God. Amen to his word. Amen to the living, breathing God who lives inside of you who will tell you, don't do this, do that. Yeah. Amen. Amen. There's something about faithfulness that's so important. And it's not just faithfulness to listen to the Holy Spirit. It's faithfulness to God's church and to, his, to your brothers and sisters. You know, people that hop from church to church, guess where they end up hopping? To nowhere. Because if they can't be faithful in the physical, how are they going to be faithful in the spiritual? Amen? Amen? I'm not telling anybody you're bad if you're just visiting with us for the first time. That's not what I'm trying to say. But God wants you planted somewhere being faithful to some other people. Because if you can't be faithful to people, how are you going to be faithful to God? And if you can't be faithful to God, how will you be faithful to people? And we live in a in a world that unfaithfulness reigns. That's why 50% of marriages break up. It's because somebody stopped saying, amen. The wife said, take out the garbage. No. When she says, take out the garbage, I go, amen. <laughs> Joey, take out the garbage. <laughs> amen. Amen. It's Father's Day in two weeks. Anyway, <laughs> stop saying amen. You stopped agreeing with one another. Unfaithful doesn't necessarily mean that you cheated on your spouse. It means you gave up. Everybody's giving up all the time. And they give up once, and then they give up again. And then they give up again. Because your expectations are wrong. We're, we're marrying a, uh, like three or four couples this summer. When I meet with them before they get married, I say, listen, let's get the expectations out right now. Can I just, let's get the expectation. Like when we, they were like, get the expectation out. I expect you to do laundry. I can't do laundry. I expect you to do dishes. I can't do dishes. I expect you to have babies. I can't have babies. <laughs> like there were a few things I expected. She said, I expect you to get a job. <laughs> I expect you to work. <laughs> Yeah, you know, then when you go in, at least you have some sense of what each one is expecting. But it'll never be perfect. But if you stay faithful, you'll abound with blessings. When I lost everything, people were telling her, family members were telling her to divorce me. To divorce me. She stayed faithful. And now you're abounding with blessings. <laughs> 
Stay faithful to whatever it is. Stay faithful. Faithfulness, Jesus said, will, will I find faithfulness when I come back to the earth? Because people are becoming so unfaithful. People just change their mind day and night. Come on now. Amen? Next is gentleness, which is, comes right after, that's Galatians 6.1, which comes right after what's been talked about here. If a person is overtaken in misconduct or sin of any sort, you who are spiritual, you that have, are controlled by the Holy Spirit. How many of you here are controlled by the Holy Spirit? Should set them right and restore and reinstate them without any sense of superiority and with all gentleness. And here's the key to gentleness. Keeping an attentive eye upon yourself. Keeping an attentive eye on yourself. Now, as a pastor, I'm learning over the years to stop reacting and take a good look at myself. Like when I'm working with people that have conflict, like, slow down, big boy. All right? You're a knucklehead, too. You make mistakes, too. I'm talking about me. I call myself big boy. Is that okay? (laughs) Slow down, little man. I mean, what do you want me to say? (laughs) Slow down, big boy. My wife, everything she calls little, little, little. Like, don't you call me little. Like, if she says to me, slow down, little man, I want to. But if she says, slow down, big boy, I'm like, that's right. As long as you call me big boy, everything's fine. Anyway. But the Lord says, keep an eye on yourself before you start. You're doing this, you're doing that. Guess what? Whatever they're doing, you do it too. You have to restore them gently. And I'm learning. It's a process. How many of you can be a little more gentle? Listen, the Holy Spirit works, works with gentleness. How many of you, like, you know, your wife is sensitive? I don't know. It's rare. But how many of you, your wife is sensitive? Just raise your hand. You're so scared to raise your hand because you're so sensitive that if you raise your hand and say she's sensitive, then you're in trouble. Okay. I got you. You don't have to raise your hand. I, get, I got you. Eye contact. There's guys like this, you don't understand. If I say that, she's sensitive, she's going to be upset because she's really sensitive when I say she's sensitive. So, if I say or do something very rare that upsets my wife, if I come to her like, I got a word of knowledge for you, honey. I have a prophecy for you. Or I just start speaking in tongues there. It's not going to change anything. But if I come to her in all gentleness and say, I'm really sorry. I love you. I'm so glad you're my wife. Wait a minute, I did this last week and it didn't work. I'm just... <laughs> As I remember, it didn't work. <laughs> but if you go gentle and kind, you'll get somewhere. You know, we don't break out... Like, you know, the worship music and start speaking in tongues when we're, our wife's, because guess what? When you turn it off, she's still going to be mad at you. <laughs> Somebody say amen. amen. You know, it's like, it's not charismatic calisthenics. It's love. Love, love, love. Finally, self-control, which, if you look it up in the Greek, has the word kratos in it, which means dominion. Self-control is having dominion over your flesh. How many of you have dominion over your flesh? You're not a slave to sin anymore. 
As a matter of fact, if you look in Galatians right before all this talk about this, it talks about crucifying your flesh. See, we're always busy trying to crucify somebody else's flesh. Crucify your flesh. Amen? Don't crucify other people. Keep that eye on yourself. Crucify your flesh. And then the Holy Spirit can work through you in a powerful, powerful way. Take dominion. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. When I'm coming up to a situation that I'm about to get riled up, the Holy Spirit, now that I'm actually talking to him a little more, hey, look, I'm being totally honest with you here. You know, for a while there, I was like, I forgot about the Holy Spirit. Praying in Jesus' name, it's Easter, God, everything. It's like, oh, my God, there's somebody who lives inside of me. His name is the Holy Spirit. And I can talk to him anytime I want. He'll talk back to me. And I, I forgot. So when the situation comes up, and if I'm going to get riled up, the Holy Spirit says, you don't have to be riled up right now. The Holy Spirit says to me, if you get riled up with your wife right now, what is that going to mean for the rest of your week? I'm like, holy cow, Holy Spirit. <laughs> You are so right. I can't believe I haven't been listening to you. Because I don't want to have to hear what I have to hear. I want to hear from the Holy Spirit first. You know, my son came up to me the other day and he said, Dad, you really didn't handle that situation well with me last night. And the Holy Spirit, like, now when your son tells you something and, like, wants to correct you, the first thing you want to do is hit them with, the, like, with something. I just want to hit them. You know, you immediately think of all the stuff they put you through and all this other stuff, and you want to have a reason not to listen. I do. Anyway. So, I, the Holy Spirit said, slow down, big boy. <laughs> and think about what you're about to do. Your son is coming to you to really talk to you, to really tell you how he feels. And it's like, wow. Guess what? He's got the Holy Spirit, too. And what he has to tell me might be really important to me. And it was very important for me to hear. Because a lot of times when I deal with my family, I, I treat them worse than I treat church people. What, what was that? I just heard, ooh. That was the Holy Spirit? Oh, thanks, Pastor Courtney. You just made my day. <laughs> But um, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's true. It's true. Like, why would I treat people that I might never see, you know? And But no, I should treat everybody with the same because the Holy Spirit is in me and I should show love and, and all these attributes of love all the time. All the time. Because um, you know what? Love never fails. We can speak in tongues all day. We can have words of knowledge all day. We can shake and rattle and roll all day. But out love, it's just a bunch of noise. And I've heard of so many ministries that are based on either prophecy or the gifts of the Spirit. So we're not talking about the gifts of the Spirit here right now. It's something totally different. We're talking about the fruit of the Spirit. And even in 1 Corinthians 12, when they talk about the gifts of the Spirit... The next chapter is all about how that's just a bunch of noise if you don't have love. So the most important thing about the Holy Spirit is this, what we're talking about right now. The love, the love, the love. Love. Why? Because all those other things will cease or fail. 
But love never, wait a minute, wait a minute. Love what? Never fails. Love what? Never fails. And against such, back to the scripture, Galatians 5.22. Against such, there is, Galatians 5.22. Against such, Galatians 5.22. Against such. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good job. <laughs> Against such, there is no law. What? Wait, what? Against all love and all those attributes, there's no law? You mean there's nothing against that? You mean I can love as much as I want? There's no speed limit on love. There's no speed limit on joy. There's no law against peace. You mean I can have self-control to the umpteenth? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Father's Day is coming in two weeks. There's no law against such things. You know when it talks about freedom in the spirit, it doesn't mean acting kooky. It means... Loving with immeasurable love. Freedom, because there's no law against it. Let me tell you something, love never fails. I'm going to finish with this in Mark 6 and Matthew 14. You, the Holy Spirit reminds you of Jesus, because when you look to Jesus, you see God in his fullness. Remember Jesus, the guy was hanging out with Philip. Philip said, show us the Father, show us the Father, show us the Father. And Jesus said, wait a minute, you've been with me this long? You didn't know that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father? You want to know everything about God? You look to Jesus. Here's Jesus one day. John the Baptist gets beheaded. Herod's after Jesus. His disciples have gone off to minister. They come back the same day. They come back from ministering for days. So Jesus was by himself, probably taxed in ministry. So now his helpers come back, they're tired, they probably want to take a little time off, and they hear that John the Baptist, who Jesus said is the greatest man who's ever lived up until that point, somebody who spoke great about him, who ushered him in, his relative is dead, got beheaded. So you would think Jesus and, and the guys would want a little time alone. So yes, it says they got into a boat, and Jesus said, let's go be alone for a while. What happens, of course? A bunch of people find him. People are going to find you. There's a multitude. There's millions of people out there that need ministering to. Guess who's going to do it? People filled with the Holy Spirit. Guess who's filled with the Holy Spirit? You. Guess what you're supposed to do? Minister to them. But they're going to find you at a time when you don't feel like doing it. They're going to call you when you don't want to answer. But look what happened. Jesus, with his disciples, Jesus, it says he was moved with compassion to teach them. So he goes out. And he teaches this multitude, and this wasn't a few people. It was like somewhere between 10 and 20,000 people. And then it says that he had a time of healing. It wasn't like what happens here at Grace Church, okay? We'll get 50, 75 people up here at church of three, 400 or whatever, right? He's got thousands of people coming up for healing. There's times when 70 people come up for healing, and I'm just like, oh my God, I don't know if I can do and I don't. I have the prayer team do it. Amen? So he healed them all. 
Then it got late in the evening, and they hadn't eaten all day. So it says he was moved with the compassion. Again, the disciples are tired. They're like, Jesus, could we just send everybody home? Jesus is moved with love again. And he says, no, we're going to feed them. So then finally, Jesus tells the disciples, get in the boat, go to the other side, and I'll meet you there later. He goes up on a mountain to pray. So it's probably 11, 12 o'clock. He's got to go pray before he's going to bed or whatever he's going to do. He knows what he's going to do. Then what happens? The disciples are out of the water. It's 3 o'clock in the morning, and there's a storm. So Jesus has to leave the mountain, walk all the way out on the water to them. Why? Because he was moved by love. He was moved by love. He had the Holy Spirit without measure. He was love. He is love. Are we walking in that same kind of love? Because I'll tell you what want to see people get healed, saved, delivered, set free, it's going to start with love, nothing else. There's no calisthenics or backflips that we can do, but we can love people. How many of you got loved to Jesus? How many of you expect somebody else to come to Jesus without that same love? So I encourage you, let that living flame of love baptize you today. Amen? I want to make sure everyone here knows Jesus is Lord and Savior. Close your eyes with me, bow your heads and pray. Here's my question to you. If you died tonight, are you 100% sure you would spend eternity in heaven? If you are not, say this prayer, mean it, believe it, and you will be set free forever. You will have the Holy Spirit come to live inside of you. So everyone bow your heads, close your eyes, say this prayer with me. Say, Father, I know that Jesus is your son. I know he died on the cross. For my sin. I've made mistakes, God. I receive your forgiveness through the blood of your son. You raised him from the dead. Raise me to a new life. And seal me with your Holy Spirit. Today. Amen. Every eyes closed, head is bowed. If you said that prayer for the first time, you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Raise your hand right now. If you would like to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Okay. Those of you that raised your hands, could you stand up, please, right now? Yeah. Just stand up where you are. Come on. 